This is a 10-man podcast hosted by me, Chris Tinius. I'm a former college soccer coach and avid music fan. Many episodes will have a hand in one or both of those topics, but we'll also delve into entrepreneurship, leadership, and other subjects. Basically, this podcast is my way to reconnect with old friends, get new perspectives, and help others share their own stories, passions, and expertise. Now let's get started with the 10-man podcast. Welcome to another episode of the 10-Man Podcast. Now that the college football season is over, many fans will be turning more attention to the hardwood. However, if you don't follow college basketball closely year-round, you may not know where certain players have ended up through the transfer portal or which teams to keep an eye on. Luckily, my guest Brian Bennett gets paid to know these things as a senior editor for The Athletic. He's here to help us with some notes and get us up to speed, so get ready to enjoy some bourbon and basketball with Brian Bennett. All right, I am here with my guest, Brian Bennett, senior editor at The Athletic and focuses on college basketball. Brian, thanks for joining me this evening. Thanks for having me. So I uh, appreciate your time and a busy part of your season. And uh, as we were just saying, we, you know, we've both got little ones. So this um, kind of nine o'clock taping gives us an excuse to enjoy and, and share a bourbon over Zoom and talk a little bit, a little bit of hoops. Yeah, a nice little break between the uh, 7 o'clock games and 9 o'clock games tonight. And uh, yeah, nice little, what, what are you having tonight? What are you sipping on? I've, I've got a little Old Forester going. Can't beat that. I got some uh, Blade and Bow, some of that new stuff. Okay. Uh, good yeah, for Christmas. I, Pretty good. I had um, a bottle of Bardstown Bourbon Company, their number nine fusion. And I, I really liked it. And I had taken it down and had a little bit of it with the family over Christmas in Bowling Green, um, left the bottle down there. My dad only drank some of it, left a little bit for me. So I brought it back this weekend <laughs> after we visited and finished it the other night. So now I'm, I'm back to the old Porsche. I can't go wrong there. Um, so again, got Brian Bennett here. Uh, he's with the athletic and, uh, Brian, a lot of people like myself are kind of moving from college football to college basketball. And, you know, I, I obviously been watching some games, but we'll dive in deeper now and try to get a little better look at, at more teams and each of the conferences. Um, so just want to, you know, get a little bit of your time to kind of catch people up to speed with just a, a few little notes and kind of the things they should really be looking out for. But first of all, I just want to share a little of your background so people know that I'm not just getting any random person on here that'll drink bourbon with me. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> well, you'll do that too. Right, right. Yes, I will do that too. But this one, th- this one has a, a little more expertise to it. Um, so, you know, you were with the Courier Journal, uh, ESPN, and now with The Athletic. And I'm sure, you know, there might have been more steps along the way. But if you maybe just want to expand on that a little bit and kind of give us your background, how you've worked through the ranks covering college basketball. Sure. Uh, well, born and raised in Louisville. So uh, basketball kind of in the blood. From an early age, loved the NCAA tournament. It was my favorite thing in the world. Ran bracket pools when I was in grade school and high school. That sort of thing. Just uh, absolutely eaten up with it. Uh, always loved reading the Courier Journal. Even when I was a kid, coming down in the morning, and paper would be there and reading guys like Rick Bozich and later on Pat Forty and uh, all the great people that came through there really kind of gave me the, I think, the journalism bug. And then went to St. X. And uh, the story I like to tell is my senior year, took a journalism class from Mr. Joe Crow, okay. um, he uh, asked at one point if anyone wanted to stay after school and work on the student paper. 
So I raised my hand because I didn't have a whole lot else going on, and it was interesting to me. I looked around. I was the only one with my hand raised. Oh. So Mr. Crow said, congratulations, you're the editor-in-chief. <laughs> and he, he was also the tennis coach and a state championship winning tennis coach who liked to spend his afternoons coaching tennis. So he said, just go put the paper out, son. <laughs> but I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I'll date myself a little bit. It was still with typewriters and <laughs> taping, taping articles together to have them printed. And it was the worst newspaper you've ever seen in your entire life. It's absolutely awful. I had no idea what I was doing, but I caught the bug forever as a senior in high school, went to University of Kentucky, uh, was, uh, worked at the student paper there all four years, became the ed- editor in chief and just happened to be there kind of during the Rick Pitino glory years. Um, okay. I was senior. I, I graduated in December of 95 and of course that was a pretty good season. 95, 96 Kentucky yeah. basketball. It's pretty fun. <laughs> I got to see a lot of really cool things there. Uh, from there just, uh, went on, worked at a lot of newspapers, uh, like Herald leader, Columbus, Georgia, uh, at the career journal for nine years and then went to ESPN.com for another nine years. And then, uh, this came along the, the athletic, uh, which is best job I've ever had. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, it's, uh, we are now a subsidiary of the New York times. We're basically the New York times sports section, um, really focusing on long form journalism and, and great writing without all the pop-up ads and all that stuff. So uh, I right. came, came here as a writer. Uh, we've been a writer my whole life. And uh, a couple years ago, I uh, moved into the uh, editing uh, chair. And now I'm the men's college basketball editor here. That's awesome. And um, like you said, it, you've covered some cool stuff along the way. I did not realize you had been in Columbus, Georgia. Uh, I have a, a good friend that helped start the soccer program at Columbus State. So when I first started coaching, I spent a lot of time in Columbus uh, working camps and uh, and kind of watching him run sessions. So I, I guess, um, so for the listeners, I, I met, I met Brian, um, through my wife when we were dating and I know she had mentioned Columbus, but I guess I just assumed Columbus, Ohio and never put it together. Columbus, <laughs> Georgia. So, um, it, yeah. you know, when, when you look back on events, um, you know, that you've covered, you know, feature articles, maybe that you've written, I know there's, a lot in your catalog, but are there one or two things that kind of jump out as the coolest, uh, maybe, you know, things that you've written? Um, I'll leave it to others to judge if any of my writing is any good, but I did, <laughs> uh, I did cover two Olympics, uh, covered oh. the 2004 Olympics in Athens and also, uh, the winter games in Salt Lake city, not quite as exotic a place as right. uh, Athens, Greece, <laughs> but, uh, those were, those were great moments. Uh, many, many, many years covering the Kentucky Derby, was always super fun. Uh, covered some major league baseball, uh, a little bit of that, uh, covered a minor league team for, for a long time. That was fun. Um, uh, and, and all sorts of things in basketball. So, uh, I've been able to do a lot of different things. I've covered primarily football at ESPN.com yeah. and, uh, covered a lot of really, really interesting stuff there. A lot of bowl games and, uh, when Ohio State upset Alabama in the first, mm. the first game of the college football playoff, I was there yeah. for that. That was that was a great scene. So uh, a lot of really fun stuff over the years. But the, really, it's the more interesting people you meet is is the the really fun stuff. Right, and and one of those interesting people that I know you, I did a feature on was uh, Bill Raftery, and I, mm-hmm. I I remember reading that article. If I'm not mistaken, it was kind of, I mean, almost right before COVID kind of shut down that basketball season, yeah. right? <laughs> that was the last work trip 
I took uh, before <laughs> before COVID. Uh, I remember it was in Columbus, Ohio, uh, and I uh, hooked up with him and uh, met him uh, on the road. Uh, they was calling Ohio State versus whatever they were playing. Big Ten game. Uh, had dinner with him and, and the CBS crew uh, the night before, and got to see him go through his preparations and. Uh, that was a great treat because I just love Raftery. He's the best. And, and he's just exactly what you would think he is like, uh, you know, off the air, just as nice as could be. Great stories and just a terrific hang. Yeah, I would say I'm, I'm sure it was not a dull evening, if nothing else. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There was a lot of a lot of wine, let's put it that way. Okay. <laughs> so, again, talking here with uh, Brian Bennett, one of the senior editors with The Athletic, and going to turn now to just the current college basketball season. And as we said earlier, let you kind of help us get caught up to speed for people that have maybe been more focused on football up to this point. Um, just kind of, it's so hard. At least I find when you used to be able to jump in and at least remember two thirds or half of a roster from a lot of the teams from the year before. And even that's hard to, to do now with the transfer portal and to keep up with everything. Um, so I guess the place to start for, at least for me, um, if people are thinking back to last year and, and kind of the final four teams and who might be able to, you know, have another strong season, maybe make another run. You're looking at UConn, FAU, San Diego state and Miami. And usually you, I could think you would expect at least one of them, probably traditionally one of the final four teams returning probably tanks a little bit and doesn't have a great year they're all having decent years. If you take away Miami's recent home loss to Louisville, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that can change things on you uh, pretty quickly there. But, um, you know, FAU, I, I think is maybe hanging in there more than people might thought with the conference change, but I, I think it's pretty safe to say UConn's still the strongest of that group. We'll be right back. If you are enjoying this episode, the entire 10-man podcast catalog is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and most other places where you find your favorite podcasts. We can also be found on YouTube. Subscribe to the 10-man podcast and never miss an episode. Thanks for listening. Yeah, in fact, they, they roasted number one this week, uh, which is more a factor of they didn't lose last week. Well, literally everybody else in the sports team who was any good lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they rose to number one. And that's just kind of how the poll works. I think, you know, if you actually look at it, who's going to be the number one overall seed NCAA tournament, it's not going to be UConn right now. But uh, the other thing about UConn is they haven't been healthy all year. You know, Donovan Klingen, uh, who was the backup center last year, uh, but might've been their best pro prospect, uh, has been, was hurt at the beginning of the year played and then got hurt his foot again. And he's been out for the last, I think three weeks uh, might be back this week and they've had other injuries. So if they get, if they get fully healthy, uh, they could be the best team in the country. Uh, they've just, they've got a lot of answers and a lot of really good players. And uh, I think Danny Hurley is, is a way better coach than he gets credit for X's mm-hmm. and O's wise runs really good offensive stuff. Uh, and they've looked dominant at times uh, again, being shorthanded. So uh, they're really good. Uh, you know, FAU has been, a little bit up and down. They've had some really good wins. That game they beat Arizona uh, was one of the best games of the season, if not the best game of the season. But they've also had some very curious losses. They've lost to Bryant and, and Charlotte and, and a couple other teams that you wouldn't expect. And San Diego State's always good. Uh, they're, I don't think they're quite as good as they were last year, but um, they could go on a run uh, with their defense. 
And Miami, as you mentioned, lost a little bit home, so we can kind of let, let it rest of it. <laughs> right. much we need to know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, I think Purdue, Purdue was the number one seed last year. Everybody knows Zach Eady. Um, he's just as good, if not better, this year. And I think that the supporting cast is better. Um, it's a lot of the same guys, you know, Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer. But those guys were freshmen last year, and they really hit a freshman wall. Um, and you could tell. And mm-hmm. that's one reason why they lost uh, against Fairleigh Dickinson and that historic, historic upset was the guards just were terrible. They turned the ball over, couldn't make shots. This year, you know, they're, they're a year older. They've added a couple of other pieces on the wing, um, dominating tonight against Indiana. They've, they've had two losses on the road. Uh, to Nebraska and Northwestern and just both those teams just played incredible games, just hit every shot. It seemed like um, it still, still took a lot to beat Purdue uh, in one of those games. And, and they've got a lot of really good wins, won the Maui Invitational. Um, so they're, they're probably your, your favorite right now. So are we looking um, at kind be a lot of, of skepticism? Are we looking at kind of a Virginia thing of lose to a 16 seed and come back the next year and, and win the whole thing? It's certainly setting up that way. Uh, it's a, uh, you know, I think Purdue, in some ways might be a little bit more dominant than that Virginia team uh, when it's really on, but of course they're different, various different styles. It'll be interesting to see, you know, when they get in the tournament, things are a little different the way things are called. It's more of a guards game in March. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, they got a seven foot four guy who's unstoppable in the middle. So, right. you know, they get him the ball and those guards can make shots. They're going to be hard to beat, but Purdue obviously has a very, very shaky history uh, in the tournament mm-hmm. uh, not recently, but really throughout their whole, whole history. So, uh, I think they're going to be the most fascinating story uh, throughout the rest of the season. Once we get into March, that's that's the team everybody's going to be looking at. Can mm-hmm. they actually do it? Haven't been doing a Final Four since 1980. Um, it could start, we'll probably start in Indianapolis, first two rounds, and then go to Detroit. So they'll be close by. Um, should be interesting. So uh, yeah, I think Purdue, UConn, Arizona, Houston, and Kansas, to me, are the five best teams. Okay. Uh, the best te- teams with the five best chance of winning it all. Um, and then kind of right behind them or North Carolina is playing really well right now, Tennessee, although you got to trust Rick Barnes in March, which is always a right. risky proposition. Um, uh, Duke, uh, they're very, very talented. Haven't quite put it all together yet, but they're starting to come on. I got some freshmen who are starting to play better. And then to a little bit lesser extent, Kentucky, who I think is really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, super exciting offense. I uh, just don't know that defensively that they're good enough to really go on a run when, when it really counts. Right. Yeah. Can you get, I mean, assuming the first round game is one they can win. Yeah. Can you, can they win four or five in a row against mm-hmm. all the opponents like that? Yeah. Duke was one I had on my notes to ask you, you know, with, with Shire taking over and having a season under his belt now, um, you know, are they, of course, around here in our neck of the woods in Kentucky, it, it, that's a team that everybody loves to hate the most. But, um, <laughs> are, you know, yeah. do you feel like they're maybe about to finally, finally click because it, it, like you said, it's young players, but it's also a coach now kind of in his sophomore year, putting everything together. Yeah. I mean, they brought a lot of guys back from last year, actually. It's just, it's a, it's a little bit of a weird roster construction. They don't have a great big guy. So a lot of times they're forced to play Kyle Phillip at center, which, you know, he's six eleven or whatever, but it's just not really, he's more of a perimeter guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then their guards, you know, they, they don't have a the knockdown shooter necessarily. Although Jerry McCain has been, been coming on uh they've been playing well of late uh, you know tyrese proctor who was considered a, a lottery pick maybe their best pro prospect got off to a slow start then got hurt he's starting to come back now so we'll see you know he's been a little he just didn't he hasn't really shown that aggressiveness you'd like to see he's playing really well in the last season but we haven't quite seen that version yet um they do have some freshmen 
you know, Jeremy McCain, Caleb Foster, uh, who are starting to play better and, you know, they can really turn it on. Uh, they can really do something. The hard part is the ACC is just not very good. So, right. you know, you've got maybe two good, two really good teams in there in Duke and Carolina, uh, a couple of okay teams, and then a lot of really bad teams. And that includes Louisville. <laughs> that includes, <laughs> I think, uh, Syracuse isn't very good, even though they've got a pretty good record. Uh, Georgia Tech's not very good. There's just a lot of, a lot of off nights in that league uh, where mm-hmm. you can get by playing your Boston colleges and, uh, you know, teams like that. And, and so it's, it's kind of hard to judge just how good Duke has been here lately. Um, and they won't, we won't really know probably until they play North Carolina on February 3rd. That's kind of, that's kind of the date people, the most casual college basketball fans start to check in at college basketball is when right. the first Duke Carolina game. Yeah. So again, talking with Brian Bennett here from the athletic and you just touched on the ACC. Um, it's probably safe to say the Big 12 and the Big East are the best or are most stacked leagues this year. Yeah, I mean, Big 12, for sure, it's just crazy. I mean, there's so many good teams. And night to night, uh, you go on the road that league, and, and you're going to play a top 25 caliber team, and you're probably going to lose. Uh, <laughs> it is just really loaded. Then next year, they bring in Arizona, which is really wild to think about. Right. Uh, but yeah, the Big East, I think, at the top, it is very, very good. Marquette has kind of taken a step back. It looked great in the Maui Invitational. Uh, obviously won the league last year, won the regular season and tournament and brought basically everybody back. But we've just been on a little bit of a lull here. They did win yesterday against Villanova um, and some good teams there. I think the SEC is, is really interesting too. I'm not sure there's a national title contender in there unless you believe in Tennessee or, or Kentucky, but, but Auburn is playing playing great. They've, they've had a little bit of a weak schedule, but they've been just absolutely dominating opponents. And they're in top five in all the computer rankings. Uh, so they're really good. But the, the thing about the SEC is there's just not a lot of bad teams in that league. Uh, even the teams that traditionally have been very easy wins, like your Ole Miss or your you know, Georgia or your South Carolina, they're all pretty good this year. Uh, so, uh, you know, Arkansas is a little down. But uh, right. you know, for the most part, there's 9, 10, 11, 12 good teams in that league. And it's just it's really, really fascinating to watch that league, how deep it is, even though it may not have – the quality of the top as the Big East or the Big 12. Right. And then you mentioned Arizona earlier and how they're getting ready to make the move, but the the Pac-12, I guess, just for nostalgia, I was hoping maybe they'd have a mm-hmm. a little better run at things in their last go-round here. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of cool to see Washington get to the football championship game, but, uh, you know, how you mentioned Arizona earlier, but how good are their chances of maybe getting the Pac-12 a championship on its way out? Yeah, I think I think they're really good. They're they're very talented. Uh, they've had you know a couple uh, times where they stubbed their toe. Just just lost to Washington State. They lost at Stanford. Uh, those aren't necessarily NCAA tournament teams, so that kind of raised a little bit of a red flag. And you know they've had a bit of trouble in the, in the tournament. Obviously, last year they lost to Princeton in the first round as a two seed. Um, so Time Lloyd, I think, still has some 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 things to prove here in his third year. Uh, mm-hmm. They need to get far in March. Uh, but you know they've got they've got some really good guards. Um, some teams have been able to take advantage of their centers defensively here lately, kind of putting them uh, in some pick and rolls and uh, really taking advantage of some drop coverage. So defensively, I think they need to tighten some things up and, and you wonder about, you know, they're going to play the same level of competition night in night out to be ready for March in the PAC 12, uh, which is, was pretty down this year. I, I was kind of excited about it coming in, but UCLA has been absolutely terrible. I mean, right. just a complete tire fire there. Uh, it was really interesting because 
obviously some Louisville fans want McCronin to come right. come here. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure he's a hot property right now. And then USC, you know, they they have a lot of talent. Isaiah Collier is number one recruit in the country. He's hurt now, but Bronny James, mm-hmm. um, who's a little overhyped, but they had a lot of other, you know, NBA talent. They've, they've been pretty bad as well. Um, so they're just, just not as good as you'd expect at the top. I do think Colorado is really good in that league. Okay. They haven't been healthy. Uh, as a team to keep an eye on the second half, starting to get guys back. They got two or three potential draft picks on that team, which casual fans huh. might not <laughs> realize, but uh, they, they got some serious talent. So, uh, but yeah, the, overall, the Pac 12 is, is, uh, is pretty hard to watch on some nights. So the Oregon started to come on a little bit too. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Coach Prime gets all the, uh, the attention out there in yeah. Colorado. Maybe start yeah. paying attention to a different sport if you're a Colorado fan. Uh, a, a team not too far from us here in Louisville and close to my family's heart because my mom was born in Dayton and a lot of my family's still in that area, but they seem to be kind of the cream of the crop in the A-10. Uh, any read on exactly how good they, you know, could they maybe be a dark horse to make a run? Yeah, you know, it's possible. I, uh, you know, when I first started at the athletic, I was covering mid-majors. It was kind of my beat, one of my beats, I like three beats, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I wrote a lot about that 2019-2020 Dayton team. I was on them early. I wrote an Obi Toppin feature before the, the season. He became the National Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. That team was really, really good. Only lost two games. Probably would have been a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, and as you probably know, that fan base up there is so, so into it, so passionate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it would have been just so much fun to see that team take a shot. Probably the best, maybe the best team in school history, or at least you know in decades. Uh, and so they never got to play that tournament, obviously because of COVID-19. So, and then they've, they haven't made the tournament since. And, uh, you know, it's been a bit of a struggle granting and grant. Uh, so I'm just very, very excited to see them good again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think they're pretty good. You know, Deron Holmes second, uh, is, is a legitimate first round NBA type talent. Uh, a guy, a lot of people thought was going to go to the NBA last year or transfer. There were a lot of rumors. He might go to Duke or some blue chip program because he was, you know, he's a six ten guy who can put the ball on the floor a great rebounder uh scores you know 20 point a game scorer and, and this year showing the ability to go out and hit some threes so it kind of reminds me a little bit of Obi top and a little bit different player but but that kind of talented five man to build your build your offense around and mm-hmm. you play five out a lot of ball screens so you know I, th- I think they're pretty good you know they uh they got a shot i don't i think they're quite as good as that 2019 2020 team um but man i would just love to see them get to March make a run because that fan base, I feel like is, is owned some, some karma. Yes, I, I agree. And, um, I know, well, it doesn't seem like that long ago. It was probably a decade ago. Now they were in the elite eight and then seemed like they were on the, yeah. right on the cusp of getting back to a final four. And, uh, you know, just seeing the, the first four up there every year and how they fill mm-hmm. that place. And I mean, those fans will go out and, and watch anybody that's good basketball. And I think it, yeah, it's kind of an underrated, basketball town is there anybody else that would be kind of off of other people's kind of normal radar or way of thinking that they should be paying attention to yeah there's a i think you look to the mountain west this year and we talked about san diego state but it's been a really really good league uh it was a good league last year got five teams in the tournament where san diego state made the title game uh but they 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 make it six they could get five or six bids this year um really really good basketball out there uh, Utah State's been just an incredible story. Basically, didn't bring anybody back. A new coach, uh, and they—I think they only lost one game this year. Colorado State's been really good. Uh, they destroyed Creighton earlier this year on a neutral court. 
Uh, game wasn't even close. Isaiah Stevens is a phenomenal point guard. Uh, he stayed there four years now uh, when he could have transferred a bunch of times. Uh, Nevada's pretty good. Boise State's coming on. In Mexico, Richard Pitino mm-hmm. is good. They just hammered San Diego State this weekend. So a lot of really good teams out there. I'd like to see one of them make a run. That'd be fun. Um, I think Grand Canyon is is a, is a is a real kind of a long shot mid-major. Uh, team plays out of Phoenix. Bryce True, the former uh, Vanderbilt coach, didn't go well mm-hmm. there. Scott Drew's brother. Yep. Uh, they're really good. I think they're, they have one loss this year. And they've got a lot of high major talent. I think there's a Louisville transfer on their roster there as well. Um, and so they've been really good. They beat San Diego State uh, at home. Uh, and one team that's a little sneaky that people were on early, and then they kind of completely fell off the map. They had a horrible start. St. Mary's. Uh, we've oh, yeah. seen St. Mary's be good uh, last several years. They were ranked top 15, top 20 going into the year. Lost a bunch of games. But now it's just starting to quietly put it together. If they want 10 in their last 11, um, okay. starting to look like the team we thought they could be. Um, Randy Bennett's an amazing coach. And, you know, that they might be the team that comes out of the West Coast Conference because Agatha might not make the tournament this year, which is pretty wild. It'd be the first time uh, in Mark Few's career since 1999 because Agatha hasn't made the tournament. Yeah, that, that's kind of staggering to think about. So, again, I've been chatting with Brian Bennett here from The Athletic. Uh, anything else we need to be aware of to take us out on? Or you think we've kind of given everybody a a good intro here if they haven't been paying attention. No, I think that's good. I mean, it's a, it's a wide open year. I feel like, uh, you know, we saw a lot of people paying any attention last week, eight of the top 10 teams lost right. all the unranked opponents, mm-hmm. almost all on the road. Um, so I think, you know, there's probably a handful of teams that could, they could win it all. It wouldn't surprise me if we got another, uh, wild final four, kind of like we did last year. I, I think right. the blue beds, blue bloods will have get a little bit of revenge this time around. Uh, it's just, they're a little bit better than they were last year. A lot of those teams and, but it's going to come down to health. Really. I think, uh, once you get to the tournament, who gets hot matchups as it always does, but, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. There's no, no real dominant team or storyline. I feel like has emerged this year other than kind of produce quest to, to, uh, get some redemption here for, for Zach Eady and Matt Painter and, and all the rest of those guys. Right. And, and the good news is the most fun part is still two or three weeks ahead of us and, and then we really ramp it up, like you said, through February and into March. So, Brian, thank you so much for your time and thanks for the insight. And hopefully people have a little guide now on what to look for as they start tuning into more college basketball. You bet. Thanks for having me and cheers. Right. Yep. Cheers. One more, one more sip of our bourbon here. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Brian. I hope that helped get you up to speed if you're just turning the page from college football to college basketball. My guess is more seasoned fans probably learned a thing or two as well. Brian is knowledgeable and entertaining, and I appreciate him lending a few minutes of his time. Be sure to follow his bracket projections and other work through The Athletic. We also ask that you continue to listen to and follow the 10-man podcast. The entire catalog is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and most other places where you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe and never miss an episode. Find us on YouTube as well. Feel free to give us feedback or ideas for future episodes on any of the previously mentioned platforms on X at 10 Man Pod or by emailing to 10manpod at gmail.com. Enjoy the next two months of college basketball building up to March Madness. I'm Chris Tinius, and I'll catch you on the next episode. <laughs>